This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. Well, hello and welcome to Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Hi. Hi. This is Hello. Brandon Spinner, uh, one of the co-hosts of Barrels and Barrels, alongside Michael Burns, as evening. we are a bourbon and baseball podcast. Mikey, good evening. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm a little under the weather. I don't think it's going to affect my palate, but it might affect my mood, Brandon. So It might affect your mood. Yeah. Are you in a rough mood? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't fuss with me about don't. my power rankings. Don't fuss don't. with me about my ranking of this bourbon. Let's do this show. And these Cubs better win this game against this national team. Yes, uh, that they better. As you're joining in, thank you. This is Barrels and Barrels, the Bourbon and Baseball Podcast, episode 24. So let's jump right into it, Mikey. Last week, we started a brand new segment, the best to wear the number. So this week, we'll start it at the top of the show. Who do you think is the best 24 to ever play the game of baseball? Right I off the top of your head. I couldn't tell you a number 24. I would have I said tell Ken you Griffey Jr. I would have said Ken Griffey Jr. right off the top of my head. He's 24? Number 24. When he played in Seattle, he wore 24 as he came up as a rookie. He didn't wear that later on. He did wear 30, I believe, with the White Sox and the Reds. But 24 was his primary number when he was with the Seattle Mariners. But as I looked it up, Willie Mays. I don't think we're going to beat Willie Mays. Say hey, kid. No, right. Him, Ricky Anderson was 24, uh, so there's another really good number 24. Miguel Cabrera was 24, or is still 24 right now with the Tigers. Did you know that Barry Bonds wore number 24 for a majority of his career as well? Okay. Okay. When he was yeah, with the Pirates, Bonds, I knew 25. I've got a uh, list up now. There's some good 24s. Yeah, Manny Ramirez. I think Ramirez. It's, more, it's more of today's names because back in the day it was one through nine, you know? Yeah. Well, that was for the Yankees. Uh, Willie Mays was, it, was, it? Willie Mays was number 24, and I believe that's why Ken Griffey Jr. wore number 24. For Willie Mays, I be believe wrong. so too. Yeah. I, I want to say too. So are we going Willie or are we going Ken Griffey Jr.? Uh, Miggy's right there, you know, as a Hall of Famer future hall of famer but uh willie mays is number one this so man, this th is this list agrees to yeah willie mays number one i think i'd put griffey too so welcome into the willie mays episode of barrels and barrels of bourbon and baseball podcast number 24 before we go any further i do want to shout out everybody who subscribed on youtube here within the last week or so we are now up to 120 subscribers we made our goal of 100 through the weekend we are now here on may 4th with this recording uh that's when this is dropping we're recording on may 3rd but we jumped up 26 subscribers in the last 26 week. in a week let's go 26 let's go. so a big shout out to all of you who subscribed recently we're talking dylan crow boom cunningham t buker 13 jmkgu Kyle Eaton, who is also Braves and Bourbon, uh, Scott C., and Greg Madden. Not Greg Maddox or not John Madden, but Greg Madden. If you joined and uh, subscribed on YouTube, thank you. Welcome in. If this is your first episode, we are a bourbon and baseball podcast. We're trying to get to 150 subscriptions maybe by next week. And speaking of YouTube, you can find us on YouTube.com slash at Barrels and Barrels Pod. 
We're throwing out a lot of content that you're only seeing on YouTube or on Facebook Reels. So head on over there if you want some exclusive content, not just from the podcast itself, but some videos about some cool stats. Michael had the Bryce Harper's Back video that you can only see on YouTube or on Twitter as well. You can find us on Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. Again, the letter N in the middle of Barrels on Twitter. On Instagram, we're almost to 1,000 followers, Mikey. This close. I think so close. last check it was so like 986. So we're almost to a thousand. We'll have a giveaway when we get to a thousand. So look out for that. That is at Barrels and Barrels Pod on Instagram and on Facebook. We're really starting to blow up as well. We're more than three hundred followers. We were at one hundred followers about a week and a half before I went to the Cubs game. There so we go. Since then, uh, I think that's two two and a half weeks. We've jumped up on Facebook by two hundred. So thank you to everyone. We're growing. We're coming even more and more expansive across the country. You may be listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Amazon, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts. We're now on Stitcher. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the five-star rating at the bottom of the episode. Or if you're on Spotify, rate us at the top right there where there's the star and you can rate us. We're at 15 out of 15 stars on Apple. So thank you to each and every one of you who has reviewed us and rated us. And we're going to go right into this bourbon or whiskey rating because this week... I think we're going to be drinking a rye. Michael, we are going rye. with Art of Alchemy, blend number one, which you actually got this bottle for me yes. in Nashville. Well, while we were, while we were uh, stumbling and bumbling, rumbling in Nashville. Yeah, we're, we're Brinkman's, right? We, we were at Brinkman's, uh, one of my favorite spots to go to up there. Always a great conversation, and then the, his bar in the back. He's just like, oh, yeah. you got to try this. you got to try he this. Was, and, and that's how we tried this, and we were like, we should probably get it. Uh, that's this how is, I buy half the stuff I there. I get there. I'm like, I'm, I walk in, I'm like, I see a bottle. I'm not buying that. And then I try it, and I'm like, that's coming home with me. Mm-hmm. And there were two bottles like that, uh, and we went with this one. This one is Art of Alchemy, as I mentioned, blend number one. Very new to the scene. I think they are just now on to blend number two. Uh, this is an MSRP of eighty nine ninety nine, and this kind of has a little bit of Bardstown to it um, in the fact that on Bardstown Fusion and Discovery, they list the blends on the bottle, so you know where the whiskey is coming from. Uh, this is a mix between three, six, and eight-year bourbons and rye whiskeys. So that's why I said we're drinking a rye today because 70% of this is rye whiskey. 70% and the, you said? 70% and then 30% of it is bourbon. It says right there on the bottom on the label as this comes in 110 proof. I'm not going to have a mash bill on this thing uh, per se for the whole bottle, but... I will have a mash bill for each individual whiskey that is in here. So this is a blend of, as I mentioned, three different types of whiskey, a mixture between Kentucky and Indiana. Uh, So that is three-year rye whiskey, uh, 20 out of the 40 barrels. So half of this is a three-year rye whiskey. So this is going to come in at three years uh, since that is the lowest year on the bottle. This three-year rye whiskey comes in at 80% rye, 12% corn, and 8% barley. Again, that is 50% of this blend, and that comes from Jim Rutledge, uh, a master distiller from the Rutledge Distillery. You may know that name because he's very, very 
very influential. He was the master distiller at Four Roses for a long time. Okay. Uh, and he branched off as after retirement. I believe in 2015 he retired after like 20-plus years at Four Roses. Uh, and he started his own company. Uh, but this is... Uh, 50% his whiskey, his rye whiskey. You may know him now uh, as uh, the, the guy who puts out Cream of Kentucky, if you've ever seen Cream of Kentucky. Yes. Yep. So that is a, a Rutledge distillate. Um, the other 50% will be a mixture of six-year rye whiskey, which is 51% rye, 45% corn, and 4% barley. And that is eight of the next 20 barrels. And then the last 12 barrels, which is that 30%, uh, is eight-year bourbon whiskey, 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% barley. Uh, this is bottled by Bardstown Bourbon Company in Bardstown, Kentucky. So I'm going to tell you, while one of those is from Indiana, the other one is from Kentucky. <laughs> because this is uh, juice from Kentucky and Indiana. So some of that is MGP, some of that's Bardstown. And uh, the other 50% is Jim Rutledge, master distiller of Rutledge Distillery, three-year rye whiskey. So a lot to this. That's what happens when you blend things similar to how Barrel Craft Spirits or Bardstown Fusion is uh, or Discovery, where it's a blend of several different whiskeys. Right. So this should have some complexity to it. We've already tried it. We were a few deep when we tried it. Uh, <laughs> I sent out some samples, and I've had a pour between then and now. Uh, and you can find our review, before we go any further, on Pix. They are not a sponsor, but we'd love them to be. That Pix app is fantastic. I've been trying to be a lot more active. Have you noticed that, Michael? If you share, I notice if you share them with me. Otherwise, um, I'm not on there regular enough. I've, I haven't been having enough. I've been sick for the last week. Oh, that's right. Um, so... Head on hey, over this, to I remember we, we were, I know we were, we were, uh, bought this in Nashville and we were a few deep. So I'm trying to remember if it was just good because it was more juice or. Right. If it, was good. We... it was good. I remember it was good that I was like, Brandon, let's get this. I think that's the yeah. one you picked out out of the many we had at the bar there. Yeah. Um, it, the bottle looks like I would have, like, from a distance, I would have thought that was Town Branch. It looks like the Town Branch bottle. The one thing is that uh, it's got that little diamond for the A of A uh, on them. And you can find them uh, on Instagram. That is AOA Spirits, I believe, for Art of Alchemy. They're a blended spirit. So they're doing something very similar to Bardstown, I'd say, uh, with the three different blends mixed together. Uh, so I notice you're noticing that over there, Michael. Uh, what do you get out of this right off the bat? Flowery, uh, oily, not picking up like a, any kind of heavy oak. It is 50% of a three-year rye. Um, nothing, uh, what would I start with? Flowery, oily, citrusy? Yeah, I got citrus. Citrus no for sure. No vanilla, no caramel. It's all, it's very all very light. See, I'm getting vanilla on the left nostril. On the right nostril, I'm pulling an oak. Struggling to find that oak. I am on antibiotics. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not getting that heavy oak. I'm getting. I am getting the citrus. I'm getting flowery. I'm getting oily. Not no, no heavy fruit or anything. So I'll be. I'm going to be surprised. 
how this comes out. Um, and it is more of a, a ride than anything mm-hmm. we've tasted recently. Recently. Last time we had a, a rye this heavy. It's been a while. So you got that palate cleanser. How's that uh, How its first taste go? It definitely has a rye feel right up front. Um, I think that it's, overall, it coats the mouth very well uh, right off the bat. It, it definitely tingles, that's for sure. It, it, it jumps out at you right away. Like some juice, right. sometimes... It takes a, a second or two for it to seep through, but uh, this gets you at the moment it enters your mouth, uh, and it's got like a, I don't know, a, you ever feel it's, like you fall asleep, like your hand falls asleep, and it gets a little bit of that tingle? That's like immediately what I felt on the tongue. Now, when you say it hits you pretty quickly, it's not a burn, but it's that rye no. flavor, rye spice. Right, that spice and tingle right up the front, right, right, right as it comes through. I've got some earthiness to it. I wouldn't call it earthy, um, but I think that maybe that that that's that floral you were mentioning in the nose. The, it's not as sweet as I thought it was on the nose. I thought it had a sweeter nose to me, um, like a citrusy sweet on the nose. And then as it went in, it was more of that rye spice. I don't think it's overpowering rye though. No, I, I as I take a second sip, big heavy sip there, it does that rye hits you, but then it's it smooths out. You get mm-hmm. a couple of that citrus flavor out of it. I don't get any kind of like fruit out of this. You, no, um, no, f- no fruit to me. I said citrus, but that's not the typical fruit I think of when I say fruit taste. Usually, I'm looking for a, right. You're looking dark. Yeah, but it's more it's more on the tangy side. And I don't know if that's because it's a rye and we're not a used spicy to, tang. Yeah, right. Yeah, the t- the tang. This is more tangy. This is not a. This is almost the like opposite. tang. It's a kick in the glass. No, it's not a, that kind of tang. Nah, 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 nah. No. This, I mean, the color is lighter. Um, it is not. It is not a dark amber. I would say it's on the lighter side of things. Uh, Do you like think a, this tastes popcorn. three years old though? That's a tough question. I wasn't prepared for that question, Brandon. <laughs> I'm Got mine. That's not the things I go through. Well, usually, usually when you say something's light you're probably trending towards something that's a, a little younger, right? Uh, right. To, this is 50% three-year-old whiskey. Uh, it is light, but I wouldn't call it see-through by any means. Uh, there's some caramelness to it, uh, but it certainly is, would you, you, would you say popcorn? I was about to say with the, with the butter popcorn that you buy yeah. in, the, in the container on the popcorn aisle. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, that's a pretty good description. It's a good rye flavor. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that you know we're. Not, I'm not a huge rye person. Or I started out on my bourbon journey as a not huge rye person, but as I am finding people who are say, "Hey, this is a good one. Try this." Or I was my neighbor used to blind me a bunch of ryes, and usually mm-hmm. they think they were finished ryes or toasted rye, like Victor's toasted rye is a really good one. Yeah, did you hear that? Okay. Thank you, Daniel. And oh wow, you said it. What? I'm the first time, Victor. Wow. Toasted rye. How much? How much concentra- How much concentration did that just take? I was looking at you. The cubs were in my peripheral. I had to pause <laughs> doing all of that just to make sure I said it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. The first time Michael has, on the first try, gotten Mictors announced and pronounced correctly. Um, I'll drink to I've... that. Cheers. Uh, <laughs> Cheers. I, I agree. I think that this is similar to. Um, I got a little bit of toastingness on the back edge, right? Like a little bit of like a smorzy smoke 
I think that's yeah. I, I was thinking that's that rye coming back. Like it's a roller mm-hmm. coaster of it a little bit, where it's that good. rye hits you up front, then it mellows a little bit into the into the into something smoother, and then it comes back. And maybe that's a toast coming in there. Yeah, it doesn't say that anything is finished. It's just normal according to the label. Uh, I doubt that they finished it. I'm guessing that they just barreled it and then blended it. It does have a little bit of a toastiness on the back side to me, uh, the back half, especially as it finishes. And I think it's got a very good even finish, not an overpowering for 110 proof. I don't think that this, as you said earlier this week, kicks you in the nuts. But uh, <laughs> um, I do think that you can tell it's higher proof, but it doesn't really knock you, knock you back. It's not too syrupy either. It's not It's not no. like you're drinking a glass of 84 proof something. Um, right. It's definitely a rye. If you were to blind this, you would easily know it's a rye, which yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I always I always speak of rye as a negative way. Right. Um, just because it's not but we're, on the you're maturing. side. You're maturing. As, as I try different things, my palate matures with me. As does yeah, yeah, with you, right? As you mature, so does your palate. Yes. Um, yes. On our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast ranking scale, which you can find on our Instagram page at Barrels and Barrels Pod, but also ranging from Hall of Fame right there at the top, 1% of baseball players make it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, 1% of whiskeys, I would say, make it to the Hall of Fame. From there, a little bit more welcoming, the all-star ranking. Uh, all-stars on every team. You've got all-stars on your bourbon shelf, on your whiskey shelf, on your bar, wherever you have that whiskey. You've got three, four, sometimes five that are like the best that you've got outside of those Hall of Famers, and that's what all-stars are. Everyday player is an everyday bottle that's always going to find a home on your roster, always going to find a home on your bar and then behind that it is a bench player a bench player is someone who comes in every once in a while mixes things up that is the guy who maybe need a pinch hit for in baseball game that's it i'm gonna mix things up this week i'm not gonna go with my everyday player i'm gonna go with this bench player great enough to have a spot on my team just not something i'm going to every day or every week and then the final ranking is a dfa designate for assignment get out of here we want you not anywhere near us you're off our team I don't so, want you in my glass. I, I do not I, like that hat. I do not like that hat. That is like our seventh Go Dog Go reference in in the 24 episodes that we have had. <laughs> so, Michael, rate this whiskey. Um, being I'm not a, a rye person, I do enjoy a rye every now and then. I think this does have a good rye flavor. What's missing for me is some sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, if it had, the rye flavor is good up front, but if it would have give me a little bit of brown sugar, um, I'd be I w- might rate this higher. But for me, this is something I'm just going to go to every time I want something different. So for me, it's a bench. It is a bench for Michael. Uh, I agree with everything you said there. I do think that it is lacking a little bit of that sweetness, which is what you would hopefully be looking for here or there. I do think it mixes up very nicely, though, with that everyday lineup, right? It is something that uh, I really like. I don't love it. Uh, and I think part of that is just more because it's on the rye side of things. Um, and as you mentioned, nothing against rye. Uh, I just was looking for a little more sweetness. Uh, it's not as overly sweet, I think, as you mentioned it earlier. Perfect. Uh, a little bitter, a little tangy, uh, and it's got that tingle. 
You like the tingle? Uh, I like the tingle. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pour myself some more, but uh, that has been our rating and review of Art of Alchemy, Blended Spirits. Number Batch one. Number one, or blend number one. Uh, so go follow them. I would say I'm also giving this a bench. Uh, I would... I would buy a bottle again. Uh, it comes in at eighty nine ninety nine MSRP. Uh, around that, I know uh, that's getting a little higher up on the scale for something that you would hopefully buy all the time. But uh, I'm going to give that a bench. I do think if you found this, go ahead and buy it. I don't think you're going to be disappointed, even if you are a bourbon fan, right? There's enough of a bourbonness to this with the thirty percent of it that it, it holds you there, but uh, it still has more of those rye characteristics. And it's a it's a sharp rye. It's not it's not a smooth rye. There is a sharpness to that rye off the off the off the rip. Um, right. So I think rye folks, people who really dig ryes, would really enjoy this one. Exactly. Uh, but if you're more into the smooth bourbon, it's it's a every now and then kind of guy. Change of pace. Yeah, a, de a definite change of pace. Submarine so, pitcher that comes in and just throws guys off. Yeah. Chad Bradford from the side, Oakland right. Athletic. Moneyball, let's go. Yeah. He was also a White Sox and an Oriole, I believe. Uh, but that is baseball, and this is a bourbon and baseball podcast. So transitioning, we're heading right into trivia. This is kind of how we bounce back and forth between bourbon and baseball. Trivia. So, Michael, last night we had the debut of Bryce Miller, who we'll get to in a second. He pitched six innings, but he struck out ten batters. Who is the last pitcher in their major league debut to strike out ten batters? I watched the game. I watched the game when they had that highlight up. I'm pretty sure. I almost want to say I even took a photo of it and sent it to somebody. I don't think it was Spencer Strider. I think that's the easy answer, but I'm going to go with Spencer Strider. And is that your final answer? Of course. Of course. And that is not correct. It comes in at the time. He was a Cleveland Indian. Now he's a Cleveland Guardian. Uh, Tristan oh. McKenzie, who oh, had okay. 10 strikeouts and one walk in his Major League debut August 22nd of 2020. That would have been that uh, COVID season, and it was against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, but what a game last night, and Tristan McKenzie's not a bad arm either. Right. It's really unfortunate. He's got a, a slow start to this season with a mm. shoulder strain. Uh, but yeah, last night's game, I don't know if you want to get into it now, Brandon, Bryce Miller versus Mason Miller, two highly touted pitching prospects. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you, I mean, it's pretty rare, but it was very exciting. You couldn't turn it off once you realized what was going on. Right. No hitter versus no hitter through the fifth inning. Yeah. And one of them was a perfect game, well, right? Was, was Bryce's a perfect game? Bryce's was a perfect game. Through the first five innings, he actually got it out in the sixth before he gave up the hit, uh, and then it ultimately scored a run. So his debut was five perfect innings versus another rookie, Mason Miller, who, who went through seven no-hit innings, finally got to 100 pitches and had to come out. So you're like, all right, it's one to zero. Can he get the win? Can he get this is the longest he's ever pitched, by the way. Mason Miller's never pitched more than five innings in his minor or major league career, I believe. Even in the minors, he never made it past five. Even innings? in the minors, he never went past five. I think he has a young minor league career. So that, that was his sense. longest career ever outing. 
But I'm not opposed to them taking him out with a no hitter, right? Like even with a no hitter, I'd rather you at 100 pitches. Yes, especially with the the history of how deep he's never been into games. I'm fine with it. And where the A's at are at right now in the standings. Uh, But unfortunately, Mason Miller looking for his first win on a possible no hitter. The bullpen blew it. I think on the first two batters, I think a double, (laughs) and then a knock right away. And the Mariners came through and won that game 2-1. to one. So Bryce Miller did something uh, that hasn't been done in the American League before. And you've already heard this if you follow us on YouTube because we put out a YouTube short about this. But Bryce Miller had six innings, one earned run. So that's an ERA of 1.50. But the most incredible thing was he struck out 10 in his major league debut and walked zero. And that had only been done twice before by Johnny Cueto, who did it with the Reds, and then Steven Strasburg, who did it with the Nationals. So amazing start to – and the, the Mariners really need him right now, honestly. Right, after losing Robbie Ray for Bryce mm-hmm. to come up and show that against, oh, you know, the A's team, which I wouldn't say the, – the A's offense has a couple of names that can swing the bat. Ruiz, who came over from the Padres, is a top prospect. Mm-hmm. French Rooker. Who, who just won actually, MLB Player of the Week? Yeah, he ha- is the number. The numbers he's p- producing right now at the major league level, uh, slugging percentage in the six hundreds, seven thirty six, seven thirty six. He has the mm-hmm. minor league track record to back that up. So it's really unfortunate. He's got an OPS of one point one eight one right now with nine home runs, and he's batting three thirty three. That's tied second the, the major league home run record. Our leader right now is 11, Patrick Wisdom. I believe it is now 12 because Max Muncy hit a walk-off grand slam today. Oh, did he? Like within the last hour? Uh, at the end of the day today, I believe it was at like 6 o'clock our time. Yeah, okay. I must, I just missed it then. I was looking at stats trying to prove somebody that Patrick Wizzy, P. Wizzy is worth rostering in fantasy. <laughs> he was tied for the major league lead in home runs. But yeah, the A's have the A's have some a couple just a couple of bats, and if mm-hmm. you look at who they had recently, Matt, if you just add back in Matt Olson, Matt mm-hmm. Chapman, Sean yeah. Murphy, mm-hmm. they don't have a, They don't have a terrible team. The, the ownership is just ever since yep. 2012, 13, 14, just gave up. Yep. Uh, and you had just mentioned Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman just coming off American League Player of the Month, uh, where he raked. He had an incredible month. Uh, sure did. Did you see that coming? Right last year, he was a pretty big disappointment uh, coming into the season. Uh, this year, you wondered what you were going to get because he wasn't that A's player when he started this past year in Toronto. Right, the, he was a major disappointment coming over. They thought he was maybe like another. You know, him and Arenado were always compared defensively, but Arenado, Arenado always had to step up offensively. Mm-hmm. Right. And, as soon as he uh, came over, you thought he would have been maybe a step up, going to a good, uh, a, a better team, and right, and more had, protection in that lineup. Yeah, I love, I love betting on guys in contract years, and mm-hmm. Matt Chapman's in a contract year, so maybe he put a little extra work off, work on this off season, so. Yeah, uh, he's looked the part. He was the player of the week a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so far in the month of April, uh, he hit 372 with five home runs, 20 RBIs. He led the major leagues uh, in 
wins above replacement, at least Fangraphs win, so F war at one point nine through the month of April. Um he in our minds unanimous player of the week on the American League side, I think, right? Player of good, the week? Uh, player of the month, excuse me. Of the month. Yeah. And then the other one, I think, was pretty unanimous as well in the National League. Ronald Acuna Jr. coming in with National League Player of the Month. Did who, not see that coming. Uh, I, I, I I would have thought his knee is just slowing him down a little bit still. but <laughs> I think someone um, called him for the uh, Player of the Year uh, for the MVP award in their predictions episode, which you can find episode 19. You better hope his shoulder's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, we'll get to that here in a second. But Ronald Acuna Jr., four home runs, 23 runs, 12 stolen bases with a 1.6 war. He batted 353, slugged 559 in the month of April. Uh, the best that, The first two the weeks, it seemed like Acuna, if he got a single, it was a double because he stole second right away. Yeah, I think so his t- first five singles, he stole the base as well. It's, he's he's got it all. He's that five-tool player we were talking about last week. Uh, he leads the league in stolen bases right now with 12. Jazz Chisholm and Estuary Ruiz are there in second at 11. Nico Horner and Corbin Carroll uh, at four and five. But uh, a lot of discussion, though, I think, when it comes to the pitchers of the month, at least in my mind. I'm a little upset. I think two pitchers got screwed out of this. Garrett Cole got the nod uh, with the Yankees in the month of April. Of course, he went on to pitch 34.2 innings in the month of April with a 1.3 ERA. He went 4-0, and he had 33 strikeouts, so that is just under nine strikeouts per inning. I do not think he deserved this this month. Garrett Cole did not deserve it? Correct. 4-0? But what if I told you that there was a pitcher who threw one-third more of an inning, struck out eight more batters, and had an ERA of .77, who also went 4-0? Right. I think it was uh, the big market team getting the attention. Because I know you're talking about Sonny Gray with that killer ERA. He he walked three more, but his ERA is .77 in the month of April. And remember, this is a monthly award. Uh, so he had the better statistics by almost half of what Cole had for an ERA, uh, pitched one more third of an inning and he struck out eight more batters. So to me, I think it should have been Sonny Gray. That's who I would be giving this award to for the month of April. So here's the stat that I'm going to throw. That's, that's going to fight that Garrett Cole had seven starts, six quality starts. No other starter has that. Sonny but Gray you're including six. Garrett's last night's start. And opening day. Opening day was in March, and last night was May 2nd. This is a month of April award. So he started five games. Went 4-0, 1.3 ERA, and 33 strikeouts. Sonny Gray, .77 ERA, 4-0, 35 innings, 41 strikeouts. Cole did throw a complete game shutout in there. But if you look at the statistics altogether, and if you look at, at war... Sonny Gray had the war by 0.2, I think, 0.3 more than Garrett. Sonny Gray actually 1.4 and 1.4. So they were both at 1.4. But I would have given it to Sonny, personally. Sonny only had three quality starts out of his five. But, yeah, um, it's really really a toss-up there. Garrett Cole, Sonny Gray. Um, 
Both Sonny's have similar strikeout numbers. Well, Sonny's higher. 10.4K per nine. Garrett's 8.57. You're not looking at the monthly. I'm not looking at the month of April. I'm trying hard no. to, with the way I can sort things with what I'm using right here. <laughs> you go to fan graphs. All right, so I see Nathan Yovaldi of Texas, Kevin Gosman in Toronto, Southern, Sonny Gray, Minnesota, and Garrett Cole of the Yankees all share the same 1.4 war. Um, but those first two guys only have two wins. Sonny Gray, Garrett Cole, both have four wins. Mm-hmm. Their ERAs are Nathan Avaldi's is three point three nine three, or three is three point nine three, and Kevin is two point three three. So Sonny and Garrett are way lower than that. Way lower. Um, Sonny's is half of nearly, almost nearly half of Garrett Cole's. Right. Higher strikeout rate. Um, maybe they win that by, by that batting average by of balls in play, <laughs> or or they're uh, just taking into account that Garrett Cole got plays for the Yankees. Yeah, that's that's probably part of it too, and I think that's part of the progress and process of why the NL pitcher of the week got his award as well. Now he had an incredible month, but I don't think Clayton Kershaw deserved it. He went no, five absolutely and one. Not. In six starts with 38 innings pitched, he had a K per nine of 9.71 and a 1.2 war with an ERA of 1.89. I think that the player who deserved it was Zach Gallen out of Arizona, who at the end of the month had 28 straight. Let me put this in perspective. 28 consecutive shutout innings. That is three complete games in a row, basically, without giving up a run. 28 yeah, innings agreed. is one I inning more. I could have even argued Spencer Strider was better than Kershaw. I don't know where, where they get Kershaw from. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. Gallon's numbers, 1.09. He was 4-0 and in 33 innings pitch, 44 strikeouts, which comes out to like a 12.5 strikeouts per nine. And Kershaw's was under nine, I believe. So Kershaw had a good month. He just did not have a month where I thought he was deserving of player of the month, pitcher of the month. Spencer Strider had nearly 15K per nine. It's insane. 15K per nine in five games started. Mm -hmm. 14.7, but his ERA was almost a full run higher than Zach Gallen, and that just shows you how dominant. Gallen was 1.6. The next best National League player for a pitcher was 1.3 for F-War. So he was basically a whole half game better than anybody. Yep. Uh, So I do think Zach Gallen should have deserved it. I should have won it. (sighs) Snubs on both sides. Yeah, snubs on both sides. That kind of upset me, but we're going to give them our own award. You got the Barrels and Barrels Player of the Month and Pitcher of the Month. So that's much more prestigious, I think, right? Absolutely. <laughs> they, they will get a sample with their name engraved on it, sent right to their door. Yes, if they do. That's right. Uh, Zach Allen, or um, if you're listening, Sonny Gray, we tagged you on Twitter. Uh, so of course you're going to listen, reach out to us. We'll get you, how about we'll give them an engraved Glenn an engraved barrels and barrels player of the week. Go on, Karen. First edition. Yeah. First edition. That would be like the most prestigious. That would be a one of a kind at that point in time. (laughs) (laughs) Another player who I I thought we posted this on Facebook as well, but 
incredible month, um, at least hitting-wise, Luis Arias, uh, who did something that we haven't seen since Barry Bonds in 2004. He hit 438 going through the month of April and starting the month of May. He's at 438. Last time that happened was Barry Bonds, who was at like 472. I feel like that's from looking at his numbers. That's all he did though was hit for average. And he had he did hit for the cycle it. in one game because he got the Marlins' first cycle. Okay, so for in the last for his his stat line currently on May third is four thirty five, four ninety five, five forty three. Um, and he ended up one home run. So what, how many doubles? Five doubles. So Slayton's the, up there. And he's got two triples, I think. So maybe that's where that's what's helping. I see one triple. Uh, maybe it's one triple. But he slugged 549. He had an OBP of 500 in the month of April, and that was good enough for an o, uh, OPS of 1,050, basically. The on-base percentage is pretty killer. <laughs> yeah, when you're hey, 50% of the time, you're on base. Ronald is right there at 449. Yeah. Ronald's just not getting on base or hitting the ball as often as Luis's. Yeah, with a, an extra 80 points. But like hey, the next four, 400 batting averages unheard of these days. Yeah, 439 uh and he the next best was Matt Chapman at 372 in the month. So, insane month for Luis Arias who uh, has paid off for the Marlins. The Marlins swept the Cubs over the weekend, but he was part of that trade that sent Lopez up to Minneapolis, they've benefited from the pitching swap. So both teams, I think that's a win-win trade from earlier in the offseason. Arias was the AL batting champ last year. Yeah, when do you see a team, the player win the silver slugger, and then package him and send him off? Yeah, not only the silver slugger, but the best in the league, right? Like he had the highest American League batting average. Right. And that's hey, what silver slugger is, anyway. it is, isn't it? Silver Slugger is for each position. Oh, right. Okay. So overall, yeah. batting, batting, uh, batting. The champion. batting champ, yeah. No, you don't see that too often. That's the Twins seeing a need and the Marlins knowing they have a plethora of mm-hmm. pitching. They still have a plethora of pitching. Yep. They continue to bring them up. They had a couple this weekend. Throws pretty well. I know Sandy got shelled again yesterday. Alcantara oh, is having a rough start to the year. Michael's pretty happy he traded him in fantasy. I did trade him in fantasy, and there was a theory that we came up with on the camp of why Sandy's struggled, not doing nearly as well, is because Sandy's a heavy ground ball pitcher. And without the shift. shift now, the shift, is yeah. the shift hurting some pit- some ground ball pitchers? I think it probably is. So it's just a theory. No, no stats or charts to prove anything. I think it's something... We're going to look into a little deeper to see how many ground ball pitchers are doing worse this year. Um, yeah. That'll be that'll be some research for maybe next week. We'll put Michael to work. We're going to give Michael some homework to take care of that. <laughs> you are assigned homework, I'm my friend. I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. He was on assignment. Speaking of on assignment, he was sent back down, but last week we talked about Drew Maggie getting the call up for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was sent back down, but he's two for six, Mikey. He's got uh, a three thirty three batting average in his career. So he if never he comes back up, he can now, live with that. Yep. He, yeah, he can live with that. Uh, so that was fun seeing him get his first big league hit. Uh, everybody going nuts. That like that kind of stuff gives me chills. 
of him getting his first hit and getting up like that. Yeah, and just like how much effort and energy he put into getting to that part of his life. He's 33 years old making his debut. It's not like this is a 19-year-old or a 23-year-old who just got called up. This guy's been grinding for so long, just wanted to make the majors, makes it, has a couple of tough at-bats, and then gets a base hit, and he gets two. And his career two for six right now. That's if he doesn't get called back up. Maybe he does, but how long was he in Triple A? I, I have Do no you know? idea. I don't, I don't because, know the because the Pirates were bad for last the last few years. What took them was he was Maggie not doing well? But it's got to be killer. I've seen guys come up, guys be drafted and come all the way up. You know, past you. How many guys passed you? And that's got to be the, the the part that hurts, you know. Like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, here's this kid. Oh, okay, here's another one. So he's been in AAA since. T- oh, he has had <laughs> time in AAA. Oh, this hurts to watch. Since 2016, when the Pirates were good, and they had a crowded outfield, but then they stunk since. But he started the year this year in AA, and he only hit 194 and. The limited time at double A. He's a career in 13 seasons, 254. He's only got 45 bombs in 13 years. So he's not hitting for power. His slug is 347. OPS is 697. So it's not like he's completely tearing the cover off the ball. So maybe this Pirates calling him up was just a moment of, of hey, gratitude thanks. for sticking around and filling yeah. a roster spot for a few years. Yeah. And let's have some fun. Uh, and thank you. And I, I bet you he becomes one of those guys who turns into a coach, right? He's been through the league. He knows uh, how the minor league system goes. Maybe he becomes a minor league coach. Love of the game right there. But uh, a big tip of the cap there. I'm wearing my Pirates hat uh, this week. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that's not dust on there. Those are actually autographs. Oh, is that? I thought, she, I thought you just had to dig that thing out because you never wear it because the Pirates <laughs> haven't been I, good since 2015. So as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, every baseball stadium that I go to, I buy the hat of the team that is the home team. When I went in 2010, this player right here was actually a stud, uh, Evan Meeks. He was a fantastic bullpen arm. He was the Pirates, I believe, closer at one point. Uh, He was their all-star representative, I think, in 2009 or 2010. And the other one was Jose Tabata, um, who was an outfielder who was a top prospect for them that didn't pan out. But... I, we sat right next. We went to PNC, best stadium that I've been to so far. But we sat is right it, next PNC, to. Is, is yeah, PNC it's my favorite best? so far. I've been yeah. to twenty-one of the thirty-one, if we include the old Texas Ranger Stadium. And I think that this is the best place I've been. We sat. I think every time in the you mention row. the Pirates, you say that. Yeah, I I love PNC Park. That that stadium is incredible and I hope somebody um, sees this or hears this and goes and checks this out on our recommendation. But I think if you're going to pick a place to go for you, like, okay, we're going to go see a new stadium, put PNC on that. Cause I don't think you're going to be disappointed. It is immaculate. It is beautiful. Uh, and the pirates have had a great start to their season. We're going to get to that here when we get to rankings. Uh, Bryce Harper is back. Bryce Harper is in the lineup. Bryce is back, baby. Uh, and you saw that from Michael on our YouTube shorts page. But shortest time for anyone who's ever had Tommy John surgery, even a position player, not just a pitcher, but a position player to come back and play after having Tommy John surgery. He missed 30, 30 games a 30 month games. is all. Mm-hmm. 159 days of surgery. 
you wonder, I mean, how long was that arm dead where he couldn't do anything with it? Uh, but still, amazing that he's been cleared by doctors first, that he is back. They originally said at the earliest, the all-star break. Um, and now right. here it is. He's he's up on the same day that he, he's up before Matt Mervis. He's up before Brandon Fat. Um, some prospects are still not, have stopped prospects who yeah. should have made it opening day are still not up. And Bryce Harper is back. For his perspective, he was up one day before Brandon Fott came up mm-hmm. with the Diamondbacks. And Brandon Fott made his major league debut today. It did not go well, but uh, we will see how the next couple of weeks goes because the Diamondbacks seem like they're going to go with their younger people. But to hop, the, to hop back on the Harper thing, 160 days post-surgery, he came back. The earliest anyone has ever come back before was Tony Womack, at 182 days, Jay Buhner was second at 207, and Carl Crawford was at 221. So basically six months for Tony Womack. Bryce Harper was five and a half months. He had this surgery back near Christmas, I thought. So the only wonder is he has to have the, he has to wear that brace. Right. How is that going to affect his power? Does he have strength? Barry wore a brace, basically. Did he? <laughs> It, it was more of an elbow guard, but it's about the size of the brace that Bryce wears. I just worry about what it's going to do if for Bryce's power, whether he could have waited and did some strength training on it more if he was cleared for that. I know that's the biggest deal with the elbow is like you can't do any kind of press. Mm-hmm. You can't do any kind of curl. You can't really, you can't work that arm out. Right, for five and a half months, so 160 days on my bed. Uh, that was around Thanksgiving then because we were just now into the month of May. So five months would be the start of December and then an extra 10 days. So right around Thanksgiving is when he had that uh, surgery. That's insane. It's going to be interesting. I think it, it's a boon for the Phillies who were already starting to turn things around and play better until the last two days where they've lost to the Dodgers. But having him back in the lineup, even the presence, right? Pitchers still have to take him seriously. Right, you, you you don't know until we know. So they're still going to have to pitch him like he's Bryce Harper. Look what Kyle Schwarber did um, in the playoffs in 2016, and nobody thought that that was going to be possible. So Bryce just doing the same thing Schwarber did, and sh- just with a different limb, right? And missing less time of games because it wasn't during the season where he had the surgery; it was during the off season. No, very excited for, for not just the Phillies but for baseball. Um, that there's a hashtag going around for the Phillies, uh, MV3. MV3, yeah. He, uh, he did he win it with the Phillies two years ago? I think in 2021 was he was with the Phillies already at that point, I believe, right? Yo no sé, yo no sé. <laughs> no habla inglés. <laughs> no, no sé. <laughs> no sé. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, he won in 2021, so it would have been with the Phillies in 2021. So he was the MVP for the Phillies uh, the year before they went to the World Series, not the year of the World Series. Uh, he had 42 home runs that year with an OPS of 1,044. Uh, going on, uh, I want to talk about v- Luis Verdugo. Have you seen what he's done so far this year? It was very British of me. Did I say Luis Verdugo? Alex Verdugo. Yes, you did. <laughs> like Luis Verdugo is the Cubs... Uh... Uh, I think third baseman in in Double A. So well, that's play the, today. I got Cubs on the brain. Yeah, Alex Verdugo. Mm-hmm. What did he do this week? You asking? Not just this week, but what he's done so far this year. 
No, I have not seen that. Let's see. I got he's, him right here. He's batting three eighteen, five home runs. Mm-hmm. He's already got three walk-offs so far this year. Yeah, he's he, got a good good fantasy line. Good. <laughs> that's the first thing Michael looks at is the fantasy line. Kyle that's Hendricks over my here. Fastest. That's my fastest way I know <laughs> of getting to statistics. Look up st- of getting statistics. He's the number two scoring fantasy player behind Acuna, but he's still twenty eight points behind Acuna. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But yeah, he had a walk off home run the other day against the Blue Jays, and then that was the twelve to nine game, I believe. But that was his third walk off of the year. And I think the record was David Ortiz at five for a Red Sox franchise. So he's almost there and we're a month and three games into the season. Hey, that's this is just a little tidbit into power rankings, but the Red Sox have are the third scoring highest scoring team. Mm-hmm. and runs scored. They're also uh, one of the highest when it comes to giving up runs, but they have been on a stretch. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They are three games above 500, and we will get to that more in our power rankings. Um, speaking of power, uh, there was quite a bit of it, even if you want to call it fake power, on Saturday night in Mexico City. Uh, oh Did you know that about the altitude ahead of time? Yeah, uh, I bet the over in that game. I pounded the over. It was 15 and a half, and the game ended what with 27 runs and 11 home runs. Yeah, so the altitude was 2,000 feet higher than Coors Field, and the fences were shorter than in Coors Field. So to me, it was equivalent of basically playing on a Little League field. Backyard baseball 2001, the shed in the middle of the field. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is basically what this was. Backyard baseball, that's a throwback. Uh, we might talk about that here in a second, too. Uh, but the, the the San Diego Padres and the San Francisco Giants combined for 11 home runs in that game. And how many back-to-back home runs? Uh, I, well, I think there was twice. Well, did you see what Brandon Crawford did? No. I, I know there was four back-to-back home runs. Yeah, uh, four back-to-backers, as in like four total home runs, so two rounds of back-to-back? Or Yes, uh, yeah. I think so. And I think Soto and Xander did it. And Xander uh, did something with that home run that has never been done before. By hitting the home run in Mexico, he became the only player to hit a home run in four different countries while playing a Major League Baseball game. So is that Mexico, U.S., Canada, and London? Yeah, London would be in the country of England, though. Okay, sorry. Well, you were just like Mexico, United States, Canada, London. That was the only city. One of these. This is not. This is not uh, barrels and barrels and geography, Brandon. This is bourbon and baseball. Okay, there's no geography in this. And we lose the 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 thinking when it comes to the bourbon. Maybe we should start doing the reviews at the end because then we're thinking clearly through the baseball part. No, then Uh, we'll rush to the baseball to get to the drinking. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, so Brandon Crawford hit a home run that was overturned. Uh, and then he hit another home run on the very next pitch, I believe, or later in, in the at-bat. And no, it very went, next pitch. Very next pitch. Very next pitch. And it went like 438 feet to left center field. So like, oh, you, you're going to take that one away? Okay, I'm just going to hit one even Achoo! further. Uh, and off the bat, it didn't look like it was – I mean, it looked like he hit it hard, but it didn't look like he hit it that far. That ball went – 15 rows deep in the left center field. How often do you see a ball go 15 rows deep in the left center field as an opposite field home run? No, you don't. 
<laughs> something's wrong there. That's the kind of ball that you barrel it up and you're like, oh, here's a routine pop fly. And it is 20 years under it. And that ball's gone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> second deck. <laughs> that one just kept on going. Yeah. Uh, insane. Like, this just puts into perspective how small that stadium was. 438 left center field, opposite field home run. And they want to put a team there. Yeah, that, well, they're going to have to build a new stadium if that's going to happen. They put the over-under in the second game, which was you Darvish and Alex Cobb. So all of the sports books were like, we just got slammed with the over the day before. We're going with <laughs> 20 and a half. I believe the game finished like 8 to 4. So it was way <laughs> under. Um so if you bet the under, congrats to you. <clears throat> I may have done that. Uh, thank you, Philly, Philly Godfather, our guys over at phillygodfather.com. As far as that game, that was insane. Xander did, again, as I mentioned, hit those uh, that home run, making him the first to hit in four countries, as Michael listed him off. Uh, England, also the home of London. England. Canada, USA, as well as um, Mexico. But we put that out on YouTube, so you already saw it if you watch us on YouTube. So there's another shout-out. Go subscribe to our YouTube page. That is at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Injuries. We talked about Acuna getting hit by the pitch. Uh, we talked about um, Robbie Ray getting hurt. I believe he's out for the year. Undergoes Tommy John surgery. Tommy John? Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's done through now, the middle of the You said Ronald. Ronald did play tonight. Okay, and, so he did uh, come back. Hit a home run. Okay, <laughs> classic Ronnie. <laughs> um, but then his his other outfielder did exit early, uh, probably about 15 minutes before we started recording this. Michael Harris, he uh, reached for first base and as he went to stop, it looked like he hyperextended his knee. Did walk off under his own power, but both knees can be uh, a little finicky. So hopefully, uh, trust me, I nothing know. Nothing more. Oh, do I know that the <laughs> knees can. Can be a little finicky, but Robbie Ray, uh, he's out for the year. 8.1 ERA and 3.1 innings pitch. So uh, he hasn't really helped the team. That team needs them. Uh, some Bryce Miller to really play well. Luis Castillo has been probably their best pitcher, but Flexen hasn't been great. Logan and Kirby have been okay. Marco Gonzalez has been all right, but um, they're going to need that that depth from Miller as they go through the next couple of weeks because Robbie Ray was your best lefty and you're losing him. You're in trouble on that mark. That was the team I picked to win the world series. He was going to be a big part of that. Uh, him and his butt. Uh, you see how big his legs are. Who? Robbie, Robbie Ray? Ray's. That's just he has super tight pants on. It is the tightest. No, you know who's yeah, the, the tightest pants belong to Karen check with the guardians. Go look up. I got to send a picture. My buddy was at the Yankees Guardians game, and right now they're actually in the bottom of the tenth inning and about to probably win the game over the Guardians right now. Here in the bottom of the tenth, uh, with one out, they've got runners at second and third. But after we just did play by play, very poorly, so to say. Uh, yeah. So another Karen injury checked. today. Uh, Kyle Wright exited his start early after only two innings with shoulder. Um, something, something with his shoulder. So, All right. Well, they continue to put pitching out, though. He, Soroka he back? To, he, uh, Soroka's supposed to be back, I think, this week. But Kyle Wright started the year with a shoulder problem. This is only mm. his third start. So you wonder if it's still lingering. Right. You, you, you hate to see it. Just like Tristan McKenzie's injury is shoulder strain. And mm -hmm. Those muscles take a long time to really relax and calm down. Yeah. 
but the two probably biggest names are probably the two biggest free agents that just signed. Aaron Judge, who re-signed with the Yankees. He's out with a hip yep. injury. He just went to the 10-day DL. Excuse me, 10-day IL. That is kangaroo court. That is a fine of $1. Uh, anytime we say the Indians out of context or we say DL, we're going to have to fine each other a dollar. Deal? A dollar? Yeah. A, a chug. So we're, here's what we'll do. We'll put it in a fine jar, and that money buys a bottle to review. How about that? Okay. Okay, cool. We just did some barrels and barrels accountant work right here live on the episode. <laughs> uh, but Aaron Judge and Jacob DeGrom. Uh, DeGrom leaving with Jacob elbow. DeGrom. Yeah, man. I started going through Facebook, and some of you guys may be listening through following us on Facebook, so thank you. Uh, I was going through Facebook posts, commenting a picture of like a box, fragile, handle with care. That's what pretty much you were going through Facebook, and I think you're just, ever since we put our power rankings out, the, the power rankings seem to irritate people. Oh my and God. I think you just took that and ran with it and started with some of the comments. It did <laughs> irritate uh, one group, and the Yankees just went on a walk offs to win four to three. Uh, but for our power rankings, uh, we are just going to let's jump right down into that right now, Mikey. Uh, power rankings. Last week, I thought that they we did a pretty decent job for our first time. Uh, but boy, we it caught was some The best teams the, at the time. Right. And we are doing this as of this morning. 5-3-2023. So May 3rd of 2023, the morning up. So it doesn't include any games that happen in the evening. So that would be through May 2nd. These are our power rankings. We really pissed off some Astros fans. I don't know why. I think that they're a little... High, high on themselves a little bit. High on themselves. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not prima donnas, but like... Um, what is it when you're so into yourself and you think that you're greater and higher than mighty big egos, big heads. There's a word I'm missing. Um, and we're not going to spend too much more time trying to find it. Uh, so yeah, we'll figure it out. So Michael, your, your, what'd you say? Big heads or dickheads? I said dickheads, wieners. (laughs) Second week in a row that we have to add not for kids. In the podcast, we might have to label this as an explicit podcast here soon, Mikey. Is that because I said wieners? No, last week you said kicking the nuts. And then also, what else? Did, uh, we were talking about the sex session, the oral thing with the Dodgers. Oh, just a gift <laughs> that someone did not give an oral speech, that's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't oral. Uh, so, I have ranked my top 30 teams in baseball because there are 30. Uh, but we're only going to give you our top 10. Maybe that will make that a YouTube exclusive where we'll just give out our top 30 teams um, and rank them in order. But uh, I think we're probably still in a line with the top two teams in the league. Yes, we're, that, is, that did not change for neither of us um, from week to week. So that is Tampa Bay in Atlanta. Had some arguments last week. Why Tampa Bay? Uh, if you're saying that scheduling didn't matter or s- scheduling was schedule. easier, strength of schedule. At the time, they were, what, 20 and 5? They had won 80% of their games? Like, how do you not pick them? It doesn't matter who you play. If you went undefeated at home. Right. And they had, at that point in time, they had only lost one game to the Astros. So all the Astros fans, we beat them twice. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they're still atop the league at 25 and 6. Uh, and then the National League um, East leaders, the Braves, at 21 and 10, who are now the best team in the National League at 21 and 10. 
they are our second team. Hard to dispute that. Hard to dispute right. that. I've got in my top ten. I've got three exits, three team exits, and three new team entries. And I have at least two, maybe three. I have two different teams. They're just in a much different order. Okay. My third team is the Baltimore Orioles. They have been very good in the last week or so, uh, playing some very good baseball. Uh, and also, they're second in the AL East behind the Rays. They're 20 and 10 uh, after losing today, though. So at the time, they were 20 and 9. So put that in perspective. They were 20 and 9. On a three-game winning streak. On a three-game winning streak at that point in time, and they had won seven out of the last ten. They they had been playing very good baseball uh, as of late, and they, they're they a young team. They're finally clicking. They're four and a half games back in that division, and they are ten games above five hundred. Yeah, that's that's the Rays' hot start there, and you want, you're, you wonder where the Rays would be without it. Right. Um, they're seven and three in their last ten still. I had the Orioles one spot lower at four. At four. At four, um, just because of the team who I have at three, mm-hmm. which made the biggest jump in my overall rankings, and it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates I have is the third team because they came in and they kicked the Dodgers' butt. They did, and then they went on and uh, had a very good weekend. Um, against the Nationals. I believe they won two or three. And they swept a doubleheader on Saturday because they got rained out on Friday. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are currently 20-11, and 11, but at the time of the rankings, they were 20-10. and 10. Um, They have lost three in a row uh, as they play the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow. That was a fun series, right? The fact that the best team in the National League and the best team in the American League were heading off against each other in the same week. Uh, the Rays have won the first two matchups of that. My Pittsburgh Pirates ranking is fifth behind the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers actually jump up a ranking from fifth to fourth. I think that they overall are one of the better teams in baseball, year in, year out, right? But they played better. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're on a five-game winning streak coming into the ratings, so they would have been 18-13 and 13 leading the NL West at that point in time. They're 12-6 and six at home, 7-7 seven and seven on the road. Uh, and that's after today's game where they walked off uh, with a grand slam versus the Phillies. But uh, the fact that th- they're one of the better teams year in and year out, they are at the top of their division. I think they have more talent than the Pirates. They actually, even losing to the Pirates, I think jumped them because of the first games of this week versus the Phillies where they won. Uh, and I believe they swept the Phillies in a three-game sweep this week. So, uh, the Phillies have not looked good. I did have them higher up until this week. So that just shows you this is a middle-of-the-week ranking. It's not on Monday. Um, so this is as of May 3rd uh, in the morning, just to remind you. So who's your fourth team? Uh, fourth team is Baltimore. Baltimore. So then Baltimore. who's fifth? I had Pittsburgh in front of Baltimore. The Pittsburgh really improved their run differential mm-hmm. compared to Baltimore. Uh, fifth, I have Texas. They have a great run, run differential. They're scoring a lot of runs. I 191 think runs. They're they're only second behind the Rays in all of the majors in runs scored. Mm-hmm. Um, they have only won five of their last ten, but they have played played good teams. They got swept by the Reds in a three game set 
that was the one thing that I think dropped them down my list last week, remember? But Same, since right. then, they have been 5-1 since our last rating. Uh, they have played very good baseball. They played the Diamondbacks. Uh, but not only that, they've they had a really good weekend. A really good weekend. Yeah, Josh Josh Young uh, taking off and and giving it to him. They took three of four from the Yankees and holding Yankees in four games only to eight runs. I see that mm-hmm. right. Eight runs yeah. in four games. And they won fifteen um, to two in the final game of that series on Sunday. On Blue Bell Ice Cream Sunday. There we go. <laughs> So, uh, so that is where you have them at six, right? Yep. No, I got Texas at five. Oh, you have Texas at Texas five. Texas at five. At six, I've got the Dodgers for the some Dodgers. reasons that you've stated. Okay. So we're in pretty much lockstep with our teams in the top six. I have Toronto at six ahead of Texas because until the last two days, Toronto had been raking. The, they uh, they lost the last, I believe, two to the Boston Red Sox. But between then and now, they were 18 and 10. Toronto has lost, before, to, before today on 5-3, they've lost three in a row. They went and swept the White Sox last week, which isn't too hard to do, but they did it. Uh, and then they played the Seattle Mariners, went 2-3, and three, uh, and they were winning game three, eight to 8-4. They gave up a grand slam in the first inning, and then they didn't give up a hit for like three innings. And then actually the Blue Jays came back, excuse me, the Mariners um, came back uh, eight to 10 to win on Sunday. But uh, yeah, their scoring runs, they did have that rough end of the game on Sunday. In the last couple of games against the Red Sox, they've given up a decent amount of runs and that's why they've lost. But they are a powerhouse, six games above 500, a 600 winning percentage so far through 30 games. I think that they're, one of the and they're in the best division in baseball, of course. That run differential, I think, dropped this over this last week, though. They're uh, only 12 plus 12 now. That was coming into today after yesterday, and they lost two games in a row, and they're currently losing 7 3. Yeah, I think they're about to be on a yeah. lost four in a row if they lose the Red Sox tonight. Again, this was before today, <laughs> right? Right, 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 right. So they probably dropped down the list. You know what? Flip-flop them. I'm going to go Texas at 6, and then I'm going to go Toronto at 7. Um, I'm breaking my rule, but that's where we're going to rank it. <laughs> Mid-podcast change. Yes, okay. mid-podcast, hold on, hold on. mid-podcast change. So I have Texas at 6, and now Toronto at 7. Okay, I have I had Texas at 5. I have Toronto at 7 as well. Okay, so we're both on the same page there. Yes. Um, who do you have at 8. I have the Houston Astros, who actually go down one um, spot in my rankings, partially oh, because man, of, get ripped. Yeah, partially because of all of those little whining uh, Houston Astros fans, which uh, I don't understand. When you were thirteen and eleven, why you thought you deserved to be better why? than seventh? Why? Uh, why? You're currently sixteen and fifteen. Um, with a run differential of plus twenty-two, they have had a very good pitching staff. But they are dealing with injuries. They just lost um, two in a row to the Giants, who are not the best baseball team out there. They had a rough weekend in, uh, at home versus Philly. They lost the first two and was able to salvage the third game, four to three. That's right. They were uh, 
they kind of embarrassed the first two games. I thought uh, the first game was the World Series rematch. Why didn't I remember that? Because uh, Aaron Nola came out in game one and shoved. I think he threw nine innings. Didn't he? I wasn't going to. Sure. I think he had nine innings of one run baseball. Uh, and everybody was just like, well, where was that in the World Series? Yeah. See, for, for Houston, I had them fifth last week. No, he um, went eight innings, one earned run. So he didn't pitch a complete I, game. I but. had Houston drop. I had Houston drop to tenth. To tenth. So they're still in the top ten, but they dropped to the last spot in the top ten. From five after to ten. Losing to the Phillies like that. Um, really gonna piss off Rick Anderson. Losing to the Giants now. Their run differential is not improving. Um five and five in their last ten. Mm-hmm. They're not playing great baseball. No. It's okay, Astros fans. It's April. They they can't be ranked one when they're what sixteen and fifteen, and you're third place. Yeah, you're not even in the top two of your in division. a weak division. Right. Who is your ninth team then? Oh, you, we didn't give you your eighth team. My my eighth team, and this is probably my biggest or second biggest jump. My eighth team is the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Boston Red Sox. I had them seventeenth last week, um, but they came out. I have Jaren Duran as well. Jaren Duran came up from the minors, um, from AAA, and has absolutely destroyed the ball. He's, he's hitting over 400, um, looking like a completely different player. For the Red Sox, like we said multiple times already on this episode, have, are scoring runs. Mm-hmm. They are the third most scoring team in baseball. They give up they a lot. They also give up a lot. Uh, Duran's going off. Mashitaka Yoshida is mm-hmm. going off. He's looking like a, a rookie of the year candidate over Gunnar Henderson right now. Gunnar Henderson is not no. performing. Yoshida is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the blue, the Red Sox has have taken the first two games of this week, Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, it looks like the they're going to win the third. Yeah, it looks like they're about to win the third. Their weekend. Um, they played the Guardians. They took two of three. Um, the Red Sox are playing great baseball right now. They mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, they were looking terrible when they just did not know who was going to play shortstop for them. Tristan Casas can't put the bat on the ball like they were hoping. Didn't they have Bobby Dahlbeck at shortstop at one point? Yes. yes they did. <laughs> um, but like you said, Verdugo has take, is finally mm-hmm. producing like they were hoping in the Mookie Betts trade. Jaron Duran's coming around. Rafael Devers is doing what Rafael Devers does. If they could just find some pitching, something to limit those runs, and you're going to win ball games with that offense. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're right there with the Rays and run scored, but almost giving up. Almost double. Not, yeah. not quite double. The Their pitching has been a disappointment for sure. Um, and, I mean, Chris Sale's not been terrible, I don't think, right? I wouldn't try. I wouldn't trust starting him in fantasy. Right. Well, but what I'm saying is he's not hurting you as a starter. They've got Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Tanner Howick, Nick Pavetta, Brian Bayo, and Nick. Did I say Nick Pavetta already. That's yeah. their rotation with James Paxton, who has not been good since signing with them. Yeah. Well, they're still eight games back, but at 17 and 14, uh, and they're about to be 18 and 14. That's not a bad pick. I don't have them. I have them as 12th in my power rankings. 
Um, but they did make a five-spot jump from 17 last week. I gave you my eight. That was the Houston Astros. My nine is the Minnesota Twins, uh, who until today had been winning some baseball games. They've lost two in a row now to the Chicago White Sox, who are now on a three-game winning streak. Um, but they are now 17 and 14. But they were 17 and 13 at the rankings. Uh, and they had... They lead their division, right? So they should be hopefully in the top ten. You They're the only positive run differential in their division. By Correct. Far. Yes, that division has been trash. Um, even with the Guardians, they went three and four versus the Royals, and then the week before they had beat the Yankees two and three. They won their series versus the Yankees for the first time in like twenty-one years. They hadn't won a series versus the Yankees. In Yankees are in last place now. Look at that. Right. Yep, and they are down in my power rankings, so uh, they are not playing a bit. We talked about that, though, at the beginning of the year. Remember I was saying that the depth on that team, if Judge or Stanton got hurt, and lo and behold, they're both hurt, what that lineup would look like? Yikes. Yeah, like, who's around, who's around there with Judge? They, they just got Harrison Bader back? Right, Does that and make he you came feel up better? yesterday. Sure. They did just walk <laughs> off the Guardians again. Um, but, yeah, as you I mentioned, the— the Twins, the only run differential by like 44 higher than the second place Cleveland Guardians because the Guardians are 19 below. Oof, minus 19 run differential. Second like place and zero. you're under 500. Yep, yep. Uh, who's your nine team? Uh, I got Minnesota's nine as well. Um, run differential, Sonny Gray, uh, Bailey O'Bear coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. pitching. Lopez? Uh, Bob Lopez doing well. Uh, O'Bear is a guy that they really just never wanted to give enough time to as a low prospect for them. And uh, he's producing for him. He's, he, I think, did a spot start again this week and gave him a quality start. Yeah. Uh, they've got Byron Buxton, who has been great. Joe Ryan has five wins for Joe him. Joe Ryan, absolutely. He, but Sonny Gray, 77 ERA. Yeah, 0.77 ERA. We already touched that uh, in the podcast earlier. But... The pitching has been, I mean, you're looking at uh, Pablo Lopez with 46 strikeouts leading the team, Joe Ryan, Tyler Maley, uh, who was a former Red. He's got a 3.16 ERA. Um, they're he's starting hurt. pitching. You've got Kenta Maeda, uh, who has not been good. Um, he's got a 9 ERA through four starts. But Bla- Bailey Ober, um who's got a 1.59 ERA in two starts. So their starting pitching has been good enough. They're a top 10 team in my mind right now, and they're leading their division by multiple games. And you know who's not doing, who's not producing for them? Carlos Correa. Yeah. Well, he just had a home run taken away from him yesterday in Chicago. Carlos Correa is not producing for them. If I look for him on the shortstop rankings, let me keep scrolling here. Still looking... I got to do control F to find him. <laughs> he is down there with, he is batting a 206, 291, 361 for Minnesota. Oof. Down there with Elvis Andrus, Chris Taylor, Javier Baez. Yeah, Javi's been rough so, too. You see Javi changes batting stance? I did, but he's still, that's just until the, the ball starts approaching and then he yeah, winds back up. Again. Yeah, and now his head's moving in even more. I think he just got lucky on that hack, daddy hack. Yep. And then, so you're Minnesota as nine as well. I am going with Astros at 10, as I mentioned. Who's your 10th team? 
I thought you mentioned the Astros already. Oh, did I put them at eight? You got them. You got them eight. Oh, I'm looking at yours. I, I am. Yeah, you're looking yeah. at me, numbnuts. Uh, <laughs> numbnuts, man. Michael is one that you don't want to f with today. Uh, <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers are tenth. They are the biggest fall for me. They went from three to ten in the standings. That was that is a big fall for you. What they do, mm. Brandon? Uh, they're four and six in their last ten. They've lost two in a row, I believe, to the Colorado Rockies. Uh, they lost at least one of those. Their pitching uh, is the best part of their team, right? Uh, theoretically, but Woodruff's out, I believe. Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. yep. Corbin Burns, I don't think has had the best start to the season. They lost um, the final game versus the Angels, but they went two and three versus the Tigers last week. They won two games versus the Angels, but one of those games came down to well one was two to one and one was seven to five and that seven to five game the tying run was at the plate so it's not like they clobbered the angels and then they lost three to nothing versus them on sunday and are now on a three game skid or two three game skid so they just don't have the hitting no um they don't have guys hitting for high average um they're got only player only hitter who's hitting in th- in the 300s is Victor Caratini. He's only played in 10 games. Yeah, they've only <laughs> scored 130 runs. That was another part of it. The Cincinnati Reds have scored 131 in fourth place, and the Cardinals, who are in dead last in the division, hey, 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 uh, have scored 124 runs. So the last place team has scored six less runs than you in that division. So that's where I have... Uh, Milwaukee, and you have Houston. That has been our top 10. You can find us on Facebook as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. I did have the Phillies a little higher up this week and then knocked them down a little bit after their last couple of losses. I went from 21 to 14. They had been playing very good baseball, but they just didn't quite make the list. And my biggest fall is the New York Mets, I think, from 4 to 11. So the Mets and the Milwaukee Brewers both fell. You had the Cubs drop nine spots from 9 oh, to 18. Oh, I did. I did. Yeah, the Cubs have not played good baseball. They've lost 2 or 3 to the Nats and got swept by the Marlins. Free Mervis. Free him. Yeah. Come yeah. on. If you Call want to win up, ball Jed. games, come on, Jed. Knock it uh, off. Before we let you go, a couple things I want to talk to you about. Have you noticed some of the home run celebrations in baseball? Um, I noticed the uh, the Mariners with the the trident, j- the, ja- the the jacket. No, that's the, the twins. The tri- twins, twins oh. have the jacket. It's a fishing jacket. It's land of ten thousand rakes. The Mariners had the trident, and the then trident. the Braves had the the, the one big hat, the oversized hat that made Ozzy Albies look like Pablo Sanchez from the video game, but. <laughs> yeah. Major League Baseball told them they had to stop wearing it because it wasn't New Era approved, which is the... Well, I, I don't think it was... I think New Era got upset. Right, but M- New Era got upset, but Major League Baseball could have just said, let it go. But no, they were like, oh, okay, New Era. We're going to let you control us. Stop having fun, guys. Right, this is the No Fun League. Um, but there's some good team. The Angels Sounds have... Good. The Angels have like um, a samurai hat. Like a samurai helmet. Have you seen that one? Do just Trout and Otani wear it? Uh, Trout and Otani wear it. And Brandon Drury wore it last week. Brandon Drury had himself a oh, series right. versus the Athletics. Um, he had a credible series. But some cool home run celebrations all across the league. And I think they're fun. Um, the Pirates, I think they have a sword. Make baseball fun again. The one, one of my fantasy baseball leagues... The league name is uh, Manfred Circus. 
because he's a clown. Um, the Red Sox have dumbbells that aren't amazing, but they've got some puffy dumbbells. I think the Pirates have like a sword. The Braves have the hat. The uh, Angels have the warrior. Sad. Had that. That's right. Um, <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles had like a, they, I think they called it the hydration station. Um, it was the dong bong, which was a beer bong that they were doing like water out of. The Brewers are using the, uh, the cheese head thing. Um, I think the, the reds are doing a, like, uh, a Viking helmet. So celebration. And I think this all started with the Cubs a couple of years ago. Remember they had the waffle iron in the dugout and then they would like do the interviews in the middle of the game. Anytime the someone hit home. Right. Yep. Ian Happ, I think did that. Sort of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Trying to get, you know, get a little more attention at the time. Yeah. Do you see now uh, Ian Happ uh, for talking baseball organization of the group mm-hmm. as now the home run leader of the group? He passed Trevor Blo- Bluff. Trevor Bluff. Plouffe. Yeah. Plouffe. Man, you and baseball names. <laughs> not just baseball names. <laughs> yeah, just not, not just baseball, baseball names. names. Mictors as well, which we already corrected earlier in this podcast. As a whole. It's okay. Uh, the Nationals, they wear like a presidential wig. Have you seen that? I have seen that one. Is that no? Is that new era, Manfred? Huh? Yeah, right. Land of ten thousand rakes. The Trident. Um, the Tigers players are wearing a Red Wings helmet because it's a power play. It's the only thing they got. Um, the Padres this past weekend wore a Mexican mariachi band um, sombrero, which was pretty fun. I can get on board with that. Yeah, I can get on board. I can get on board with that. But. Uh, celebrations this year have been pretty fun, but not if you're in Atlanta because Major League Baseball poo-pooed all over them. Last thing I wanted to touch on, I wish we had more time to go over this. Maybe we will uh, in a later podcast because I do think that this is really important. But the Negro League Museum is going to be rebuilding, announcing a $25 million plan to build uh, a brand new museum. I've been to it. It's really cool. Uh, But this is going to actually be right where the Negro Leagues were developed. So that's what's awesome is it's going to be at the historic 18th Street and find where it opened in 1997. No, it's pretty cool. $25 million. It's a nice, nice mm-hmm. chunk of change for a project. Yeah. So um, the Negro Leagues Museum is an awesome place. If you're ever in Kansas City checking out a Royals game, I fully recommend that you go check out the Negro Leagues Museum. It is very, very cool. So that has been it for episode 24 of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. We're calling it the Ken Griffey Willie Jr. Mays. Nope, we're calling it the Willie Mays episode. Willie Mays. The best number 24. Thank you for listening. If you made it in this far, it's about an hour and a half about how our podcasts have gone as of late. You're watching on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe button below. We're at 120 subscribers as we record this episode. So thank you to each and every one of you. And if you subscribe, we'll give you a shout out just like we did earlier in the episode. Facebook and YouTube as well as Instagram, all at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Again, that at symbol, the word barrels, the letter N, the name barrels, and then pod. Michael, where Start can you Start looking find... for that blue circle logo. It's starting to pop up a little bit easier. Yes, it is. It is. More and more. Speaking of that logo, you've got that on Twitter, at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Michael's on Twitter, BNB Burns. But what about Instagram? Instagram is BNB underscore Burns. 
and I am whiskey underscore weather, the shirt I'm wearing. Uh, if you're still watching on YouTube, uh, that is my Instagram account. You can find me on Twitter at WXSpinner89. And if you ordered a t-shirt, yeah. if you ordered a t-shirt, t-shirts should be going out here shortly. So if you if you order one. Oh, and next week we have something cool coming up as Wait, well. Is that ne- that's next week. That's next yeah. week. So we will talk about that in next week's podcast as we get going forward. But if you have any questions or you want to order a t-shirt, send us an email, barrelsandbarrels at gmail.com. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. This has been an episode full of high proof and high heat. That's what we talk about. That's what we taste is that high proof and that high heat. Mikey Burns, what do you have for our friends, family, and listeners? Let's go.